0: thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our website at freedomlifeag.com. Welcome to Freedom. I'm so excited to finish up this series here with you this morning. We're finishing up the God on Film series and uh, have you really been enjoying it? Yeah, I have. I've really been enjoying it. Um, Real quick, um, Pastor Josh had so many announcements, but I just need to add this one. Ladies that are going to the fall conference, your deposit is due this morning. See Chevelle at the connection table if you have any questions. Um, And if you forgot to sign up, uh, make sure that you do that today. But your deposit is due. And so we hope that you can join us. It's going to be an amazing time in um, November at Hershey Arena, listening to Lisa Turkus this year. So I'm really excited. So make sure that you... uh, you sign up this morning. Um, But this morning, we um, are finishing up the God on Film series, and last week's message, um, my husband had talked about being um, guardians of the kingdom, and how we are the body of Christ, and we have so many different functions as the body, and every single one of us has a role to play in this, because we can't just all be the foot. And we all can't be the hands. We have, each of us have an intricate role to play as the body of Christ to further his kingdom. And so, this morning, my movie is uh, Wonder Woman. (laughs) I got the shirt and everything. Um, And so, again, we are not um, promoting a movie saying, You need to go see this movie. That's not it at all. We are taking um, a theme that we found in these movies. And we're taking that theme and we're saying, well, what does God say about this? Because these are box office hits. These are the movies people are going out to see right now. And uh, Wonder Woman is definitely one of them. It was like the hit of the summer. And right now, in our culture, superhero movies are at an all-time high. Do you notice that? These movies are breaking all kinds of box office records. And it begs one to ask, well, why? What is it about a comic hero that everybody's yearning to see right now? And there's this um, guy, his name is Mark Miller, and he had this quote. He's an acclaimed comic book writer, and he's worked for a number of titles with Marvel. And he was signed by a movie studio with um, 20th Century Fox. And he's quoted in saying this. Good economic times usually signal the death of superheroes. Bad economic times, we see a surge in their popularity. And one of the titles in this article I was reading was, Troubled Times Demand Heroes. And I thought, how true is that? And we are in some troubled times right now. And people are looking for a hero. See, Superheroes, they stand up for injustice. They fight for the common man. They're strong. And they're tough. So when we're facing trouble as finite people, we want to see something bigger than us fight for us. In Wonder Woman, we see Diana. Man, and I'm sorry, I just was like, woo, go, because you don't see many girl superheroes. And so she sees that there's a war going on outside of her own universe. And she's faced with a decision if she's going to go and fight. And so I just want to show you this one clip because this is my favorite scene and this is the theme of what I want to take with it. So if we could turn the lights down and pay attention to the screen here. going, Mother I cannot stand by while innocent lives are lost If no one else will defend the world from Ares Then I must I have to go I know Or at least I know I cannot stop you There's so much So much you do not understand I understand enough That I'm willing to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. Like you once did. You know that if you choose to leave, you may never return. Who will I be if I stay? This belonged to the greatest warrior in our history. Our beloved Antiope. Make sure you're worthy of it. I will. Be careful in the world of men, Diana. They do not deserve you. You have been my greatest love. Today, the sorrow. to go to a place where and I don't want to ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it but she was willing to go fight for a people she never knew to leave home to know that she will never be able to return and even her own mother didn't understand it and God will be calling you to places where your own family won't even get it because the calling that God places on our lives are so much greater She's a true warrior, and that's what I want us to explore this morning is being wonder warriors. A warrior is defined as a brave or an experienced soldier or a fighter. So my question I want to pose to you this morning is, are you willing to be a warrior for the kingdom of God? One who's willing to go out and fight to save the one? Are you one who's willing to sacrifice so that others may see him? So that he will be known to all men. This is a huge decree. This is a huge responsibility. And we are all called to it. It's not for just this person over here. They have a special anointing. No, we are all called to it. The wonder part, that's the Holy Spirit. Are we allowing him to work wonders through us? When people see you and when people talk with you, do they wonder what's different about you? What is it that you have that they don't have? If not, let's get there. It's not too late. We have to live in such a way that everything that we say and everything that we do is a walking testimony of his goodness and his grace. Where is the wonder? Where are the signs and the miracles? God promised them. Where are they? Perhaps it's because we haven't tapped in to that part of the Holy Spirit yet. Why are we so afraid of him? He's fully God. And he wants to work in you. John 14, 12 tells us, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus has already told us, greater things are you going to do than me. We haven't seen it yet, have we? And we did back in the days, and we did in the Bible. But see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so God... Still will operate in that manner. We just have to be willing to get there with them. I'm ready. I'm ready for God to use me in ways. Are you ready? This morning we're going to Matthew 28. Verses 16 through 20. So if you'd open up your Bibles with me. We're going to talk about the very last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he sent it into heaven. It says... Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here we see this is Jesus' last command to his disciples. And even, <laughs> and even after all that they had been through together, even as they are worshiping him right there, I see these words. We see that there were some Still that doubted. They've watched the Savior be crucified. They saw the risen Savior. He's spent time with them. And even while they are worshiping him, they are still doubting. There's some that still doubted. And sometimes, maybe they just were just dumbfounded. Like, is this really happening? Is this really true? You know, I don't think they're all like, I don't think this is real. I think they were just like, how can this be true? How can this be real? It just showed how real the disciples were. They are no different than you and I. And they were right there through it all. And they still, some still doubted. But that didn't stop Jesus from commissioning them to do the work of the Father. I love how Jesus, he tells them that all authority... All authority has been given to Him. So you see, it doesn't matter what's happening around us in our world right now, right? It doesn't matter who's leading or who's in control or what our future may hold because God has complete authority. God is in control. Everything in and on this earth and in heaven has to come under the submission of God our Father. He is authority. And yet he uses us. Isn't that amazing? does not that just kind of like blow your mind? Like God has all the power, all authority. All it takes is one whisper, one snap of his finger, and things can change completely. But yet he still uses us. Broken vessels. But this is what he asks of us. And honestly, it's really simple. To go To make disciples and to teach. Three steps is what he's commanded us. And we complicate it so much. We make it so much harder than what it really is. Why is it so hard for us to reach out to our neighbor? Why is it so hard for us to reach and talk to our coworkers? We fear rejection from them, we get too busy. And I'm going to throw this one out here. So if I step on your toes, I'm so sorry, but you'll heal. We get too religious and legalistic and we become so judgmental. We can't speak to the lost because they sin differently than us. Let that sink in. What if it was just as easy as sitting down having a cup of coffee and a conversation and getting to know a person. Don't make it bigger than what it is. It's just talking and telling them the truth. We have this view of evangelism that it's going to take a fiery preacher to reach them. When more than likely, it's just an ongoing relationship. That will open up more windows of opportunity than any great message that they may hear here. How are they going to get in the doors if you just don't have relationships? See, we need connection. We long for it. That's all it takes. We make it so complicated. And then I found this verse this um, past couple of weeks that really opened my eyes. church take this verse and hold on to it and ask yourself, is this me? Isaiah 66, two says, part of the verse, this is the second half of the verse. It says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. He looks on those with favor. So let's break this down, humble. Sometimes we have this, definition of humble that is so opposite of what God means. Being humble doesn't mean that we look down on ourselves. That's not a humble spirit. A humble spirit, a humble person, means to be meek, respectful, submissive to him. That is humble. Being contrite in spirit, that is being A feeling of remorse or being repentant. So, do we have a humble spirit? Are we submitting ourselves to God? Are we contrite? Do we have a repentant spirit? And church right now, we need to have one for our nation. Who else is going to get on their knees and say, God, forgive us? And here's the one that got me. And one who trembles at his word? Do we really tremble at his word? Tremble at his word? Or do we just look at it as if here's another good book, here's a how to book. This book makes me feel good when I read it, and yes, it can do all those things. It, it does. It gives us direction. It gives us life. But his, it's His Word. It divides. It's truth. Do we look at it, and do we, when we read it, do we tremble at His words and what He's saying to us? That's who He's looking for, and that's where His favor rests. I want the favor of God to rest on me, but do I tremble at His Word? This is the type of follower that I want to be. Because if we trembled at his word, we would obey every part of it. Not the parts that fit our lifestyle. Not the parts where we're like, I like this part, but this part, I just don't get it. Do we tremble at his word? And if we trembled at his word, would we be willing to step out in complete obedience and do exactly what it says? Because if we were truly reaching people and truly doing the great commission, churches across this nation would be filled. I'm going to be a warrior. In order to be a warrior... You got to step out and you got to fight for those who don't fight for themselves. So keep that in mind as we, as we break down here, the great commission as his wonder warriors. Go. It's such a simple word, but it's a word of action. It requires you to actually move. Go. Go. Your mission field might be your job. It might be your family. It might be your neighbors. But God has a mission for you. Not all of us have called to be foreign missionaries, and that's okay. But you have a sphere of influence around you. What are you doing with it? It's not a time right now you... You turn on the news and you see what's going on. It's not a time to sit back and do nothing. Time is running out. No one's promised tomorrow. You hold the answer of hope. So you don't keep that to yourself. Teens, you're getting ready to go back to school. You have a whole school that's in desperate need of hope and truth. And you have the answer. You contain the answer. He's inside of you. Let him out. It might be your neighbor. It might be the grocery clerk. It might be your mailman. It's somebody that you have connections with every day. You know, that's what I love about my my second job. I work here at the church part-time, but I also work in the marketplace, right? I work in the marketplace. And I get to meet people that just come in and I I don't know how we get onto the topics but the church always comes up and I always get to share God somehow, some way. And I had someone that walked in through our doors that I spoke to three years ago. He said, I just needed to be here today. I do not remember her, but she remembered a conversation that we had. And the Lord spoke to her and said, go, you don't know who you're Going to influence. You don't know what it's going to look like years down the road. But if I didn't speak. She would have never came in through. She may have never seen her marriage get restored. Because it was just one act of obedience. One act of obedience that honestly I didn't remember. Because it didn't make an impact in my life. But it made an impact in hers. You hold the key. Go. Let your light shine for all men to see. Diana from Wonder Woman, she was willing to go fight for people she never met because she saw that life was worth defending. Shouldn't we have the same urgency when all the realities of heaven and hell are true? This isn't a screenplay. We're talking about eternity. It hangs in the balance. Heaven is real, hell is real, angels are real. Demons are real. There is a real reality of this. And it's not a motion picture. This is life. And you either know Jesus or you don't. You can't ride a fence. You're either with him or you're not. It hangs in the balance. Our faith, is, our faith walk is a journey journey. And we can't stay satisfied once we get saved. Because once we get saved, then we feel like we belong to this elite church group. The church is not a club. The church is not an association like you would treat like a country club. If so, we're missing it. We're the body of Christ. The body is supposed to be. Go. And if you haven't been involved in any of our outreaches, I'm going to challenge you. Get involved in our outreaches. Talk to people in the community. You may be the only voice of Jesus that they may hear. I've been reading this book. And it's by Carolyn Tennant. And she's a professor at um, North Central. Yeah. North Central University, which is one of our Christian Assembly of God universities. And um, her book, Catch the Wind of the Spirit, she really breaks down um, the giftings of the body. And there is this, I have to read you this segment. It was just, it was just amazing. She writes, following Jesus is a journey. It demands movement and change, action and courage. Any journey involves some sort of risk and adventure. We have to move outside of our comfort zones and head into the unknown. God is calling his church right now to move out with him. Where will the wind and the currents take us? We don't know. But this doesn't mean we can be excused from moving. George McLeod, founder of present day Iona Community, in 1936 he made this comment. And this, this comment rocked me on my vacation when I read this. Christ is a person to be trusted, not a principle to be tested. The church is movement, not a meeting house. The faith is an experience, not an exposition. Christians are explorers, not map makers. It is a present experience made possible at Bethlehem, offered on Calvary, and communicated at Pentecost. She goes on to say this. Indeed, if we are ever called upon to make maps... We have to explore first. We must get up, launch forth. Jesus is ready to experience the wind and the waves with us. He will be in the boat and our faith will be built. We lose testimonies of his faithfulness if we do not take risks. We lose testimonies of his faithfulness if we do not take risks. If we sit back and we sit idly by... You will never have an incredible testimony of His faithfulness if you don't get up and move. Ever heard Dr. Tony Evans? He's he's good, and he has his he has said this. And you know, we're getting ready to come up on football season. I love football season, <laughs> and I'm going to say, "Fly Eagles, fly" as well. don't judge me i have the microphone you don't (laughs) but listen dr tony evans he likens it to this and this is just a great visual for the church in football they have a huddle right the goal of the huddle is to give you 30 seconds to call a play that's why they give you the huddle at professional games there might you know there might be more here and there 60 60,000 people are coming to watch you huddle. They don't mind you taking 30 seconds to call a play. They understand that you have to get organized and that you have to know where you're going. The ends need to know where they're going to go. The quarterback needs to know where he's going to go. The backs need to know where they're going to go. A huddle is a necessary part of playing the game. But let me inform you, if you do not already know, 60,000 people do not pay a lot of money for a ticket to watch a huddle. See, people don't come to football games to watch the huddle. They want to see the team overcome the opposition who is daring them to snap the ball and move down the field to score. What they want to know is, does your practice work? Now, what Christians, what we often do is we get high on the huddles. We gather together on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and we go nuts over the huddle. We say, boy, did we have a huddle. My quarterback can call plays better than your quarterback. And boy, do we go off on the huddle. But what people don't seem to understand is is that the huddle is so that we can actually play the game. The effectiveness of the church cannot be measured on how well you do on a Sunday morning. The test of your church is what you do in the marketplace. What we need to do today is churches are representative of Jesus Christ, not only when we gather, but when we're out. If we are just here and we're just celebrating, team, this is how we do it. We're going to go. We're going to make disciples. We're going to baptize them. And then we are going to teach them to obey everything that Christ said ready set break but if we just walk away man i was just blessed i can't wait till next sunday we're missing the point we missed it huddle is necessary the huddle is where you get the information the huddle is where everybody knows where they fit and where they're going but if we're only in the huddle How many of you would love to just watch football while the guys just stand around in a circle talking about it? It's pointless. Get in the game and go. And guess what? You might fumble. Guess what? The pass might be dropped. But if you don't go, if you don't do it, then you miss the whole point. Huddles are great. We need each other. We need that time together. But if we're not doing anything outside of this, then we've missed the mark. Amen? So go tell somebody about Jesus. Get activated. And please, 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 please don't wait till you feel qualified or you've obtained this level of Christian maturity. Come on, it's not going to happen, right? Listen, if Jesus can use a donkey to speak, he can use you and he can use me. Okay? Not calling you one, just saying. (laughs) Second part, make disciples. The making of disciples was given to all of Christ's followers. That responsibility is your job, your job, and your job, and your job, and your job, and my job. Hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. And guess what? It's not the pastor's job alone. It's not why you pay him the big bucks. (laughs) It's not just the pastor's job. When we understand this, and I mean this in the sweetest way that I can muster up. When we understand that church here is not a place for you just to get ministered to. It's a place for you to minister. When you get that mindset, watch this place shift. When you realize I'm coming to Sunday morning and I'm not just going to get ministered to, and yes, God will minister to you. But when you come with the attitude of who can I minister to, watch the dynamics in this place change. Because no longer is it about me receive, me get from the Lord. It's about Lord, what can I give? And I promise you, he always fills us up whenever we're depleted, whenever we're empty. But each of us have a responsibility. How many of you know every single person in this building? I can't even raise my hand. There's people here right now that I have no idea who you are. But maybe our job is to reach one, each one take that take that initiative connect build relationship because you can't disciple someone without knowing who they are correct be a minister this shift with this change of mind will impact our whole region it's going to impact our state and our nation if the body of christ function the way that she was intended to christ asks us to disciple them and to baptize them. We do baptism, water baptism here, because baptism represents the decision of following Christ. We die to our old ways, we die to our old self, and when we're raised up to the newness of life in Christ, that's what it represents. But if they don't know, they don't understand. It's not just saying a prayer and saying, okay, I have Jesus in my heart, now I'm going to go along on my merry way. They need to be discipled. And who's going to disciple them? Making disciples goes way beyond bringing a knowledge of salvation to someone. It's after that decision to follow Christ that there's a process of discipleship begins. It's showing them in the most loving way how to follow Christ. Exploring his word together and living this faith walk together. And it takes time. It will take encouragement. And it's going to take you living out faith in front of them. Because I love what A.W. Tozer says. Only a disciple can make a disciple. So are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of Christ? Then if so, you have the means of discipling someone else. You have the job and the responsibility of making disciples. Thirdly teach. We need to teach his word. And see, the role of a teacher is equally important. In verse 20 there of the Great Commission, it says to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to tremble at his word. Not one of us in our faith has arrived to the supreme level not one. So be open and receptive to receiving the teachings of Christ and then taking that what you have learned and teach others. It's it's not as complicated as we make it. It's a lifetime ongoing process. Discipleship, just you don't just arrive, right? Have any of you just arrived and said, Pastor Alicia, I don't need to be discipled anymore. I got it. We're all disciples. We're all followers of Christ. And we, we are all working our way to understanding him more, to following him better. We see here in, um, in Acts 2, 42 and 43, the early church. Here, this, this is what they did. You ready? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which we call communion, and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the the apostles. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The teaching, fellowship with one another, breaking of that bread together and prayer, and everybody was filled with awe because of the wonders. This is what we have to get back to. This is what this is what it needs to be. And it's not just the club that does this. It's bringing others in and teaching them and telling them about Jesus and having them understand what it is that we do and why it is that we do it that way. To get back to that. And to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that signs and wonders are following us everything that we do. Come on. If our teaching is deeply rooted in God, then we're doing our responsibility. And man, these our teachers that we have that teach every week back here, they're such a blessing. But we need more teachers. And I'm not talking just about breakaway. I'm talking about life group leaders getting to the point where we have Sunday school people that understand the importance of what it means to teach his word, to make God known what his word says. But in order for our teaching to be deeply rooted in God, we must be deeply rooted in him. We have to be deeply rooted in the word in order for that to come out of us. Otherwise it's just empty words. I hope this is challenging you this morning. It's not, if it's not, pray that God will convict your heart. If it is, pray to to know him deeper, more intimately. Pray for change, seek him. Just ask of him and open up his word and ask him to open up his word to you in ways that you've never seen before. You ever read the same verse? over and over and you just get things differently out of it each time his word is alive and it's living and it changes us but it only comes through time that we spend with him time spent in the word if we get so busy that we're not able sorry God I can't spend time with you or sorry God I don't have time to minister We missed it. We missed the mark. Smith Wigglesworth had this prayer, and it went like this. Word of God, press in on my heart that the spirit might press it out of me in Jesus' name. May I not simply quote scripture to those I meet every day, but may I rather impart the life of Christ to those who need him. You cannot impart something that's not flowing out of you. Tremble at his word. Do what his word says. So here's our big idea. And I don't have a very long, lengthy message for you today. Because it's his word that's going to change us. But I have to ask you, what are you willing to do to fulfill the great commission. If we were doing it, this place would be filled to overflowing, standing room only. And I believe God's gonna bring some amazing people in. But we all have a part to play. And this message is for all of us. Where are we going? Where are you going? Maybe it's just your neighborhood. Maybe it's your school. Maybe it's your job. But go. But go. And live a life that's so represents Jesus that people stop you and say, what is it about you? Something's different about you. And if nobody's seeing that, then evaluate yourself and ask God to light a fire again, to return us back to our first love. Because I think that's where we're lacking sometimes. We've just lost a passion for his name. Because we've become complacent in our walk. And we're just okay with the mundane day in and day out. But I want the Holy Spirit to to light a fire in my soul. That when people look at me, they're like, what is it about her? We all need to get to that point and ask God, where are you sending me? Who is it that you have on my path today? I prayed this prayer the other day driving to work because I felt convicted because there's so many times that I just pray for needs, wants, But instead of asking God for something, he laid it on my heart to show up and report for duty. So on my way to work, I prayed, God, how do you wanna use me today? Who do you want me to speak to today? And I started praying for divine appointments. It's a change of mindset. I'm telling you, it's not because I arrived at it. It's because the Holy Spirit convicted me. What does your prayer life look like? Are you just asking God for things? Or are you saying, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm reporting for duty, sir. Go. And then once you see our Jesus, start making disciples. See that they get baptized and then teach them to obey his words, his commands. It's not that complicated. But if we don't do it, we're not trembling at his word because we're not obeying it. If we truly trembled at his word, we would say, how can I not do this? I have to do this. And the pressure, you ever had that, that uncomfortable feeling? Like if I don't do this, it's going to, I feel like I'm going to explode. We need the Holy Spirit's conviction and presence to be in our lives in a way that we haven't experienced before. So this morning, we're going to just be real simple in this. Right where you're at. If you're saying, Lord, that's me, I need to go. Maybe the Lord's been impressing on your heart for some time that there's a person that he's asking you to speak to and you've just felt timid. He wants you to go. So if if that's you this morning and you just feel like I need to go and he's calling you to go, whatever that looks like, stand this morning. Maybe he's asking you to be a disciple maker. And you know you have it in you. And you've just been sitting back. Stand and let's pray. Or maybe you have the heart and the spirit of a teacher. And you've been sitting on your gift. You love Jesus with all your heart. And you know his word. But you just haven't been teaching it. I want to pray over you. So if that's you this morning for any of those areas, and you know that you need to be fulfilling his great commission, his great command that he gave us before he ascended into heaven, stand with me this morning.